For so many modern-driven women, life is about being more than one thing. We're multidimensional, and so are our conversations. We carry multiple identities. We can be both mother and artist, both attorney and entrepreneur, both clinician and CEO, both humble and proud. Life for women like us is about both, about all of the above. It's about the and. Our stories are the stories of so many of you. We wanted the freedom and flexibility to live life on our own terms, and we felt the pull to be more present with our families. But we still felt drawn to contribute, to build, and to create. And we wanted to establish financial security for ourselves and our children. For us, that looked like founding software companies, but for you, that may look different. Our mission is to help other smart, conscious women build and grow businesses on the internet. Starting up online can be overwhelming and isolating, but it doesn't need to be. Join us for honest conversations about what it really means to grow an online business that aligns with your values and adds something meaningful to the world. I'm Sandy Connery. And I'm Jenny Barcelos. And you're listening to the And She Spoke podcast. In our business, we're big fans of financial literacy and accountability. Knowing your numbers is an essential aspect of building a successful business and inherent responsibility for any entrepreneur. We also believe that what you focus on grows. So pay attention to your money. How do we stay up to speed on our numbers? We use Bench for our bookkeeping. It's simple, elegant, and saves us so many hours that would otherwise be spent neck deep in receipts on the other side of a spreadsheet. Each month, our transactions are automatically imported into Bench and we get on-demand financial reports. We even enjoy opening up our profit and loss statement to review each month. And when tax time comes around, we are up to date and ready to go. And this is what financial empowerment feels like. Head on over to anshe.co slash bench to save 20% off your Bench accounting plan for the first six months. Welcome to the And She Spoke podcast. Today, we invited Emilia Van Houwen to the show. Emilia is a cultural sociologist, an author, and a marketing expert, and is one of Scandinavia's most sought-after keynote speakers. She is one of the most quoted sociologists on the modern ways of life and social trends. We spend a lot of time in this interview talking about the importance of communities and how that has changed, especially through the pandemic. But she starts by telling us about her newest community that she's joined, which is winter bathing with women in the Baltic Sea. Let's listen now to Amelia Van Houwen. Well, welcome, Amelia, to the podcast. We're thrilled to have you. Thank you very much. I'm thrilled to be here. <laughs> so tell us about yourself. I'd love to know where you live. Well, I know the audience doesn't. And what you do for a living. Yeah, I live in Copenhagen and actually in the new part of Copenhagen called Northern Harbor, Norhaun, which is a pretty new area of Copenhagen uh, near to the sea. And it's an industry harbor that has changed into a, a living area. And, it's, um, and now I have started to bathe in the morning in the sea. And I think that everything below, I don't know, 30 degrees is like winter bathing so that I put myself down in water that's so cold. I went into the water with ice in. That's really, that's a new thing for me. So, but it's because I live so close to the water. It would be stupid not to do that. 
And then I have a well, friend. One could argue that. But. <laughs> so, but I've been living here for four years. And when we came here, there was 236 people living here. And now we are several thousand. So it's been really interesting as a cultural sociologist to follow what has happened in this area and how you make a community. Because there was nothing when we came here. There wasn't even a, a street where we live. So... It was a big experience to come here and see if we could do something to make a, a community out of this. Mm -hmm. That's a beautiful story. I would love to learn more about that. But before we get into the you know depths of, of this conversation, I have to go back to this winter bathing because I was just reading. <laughs> I got obsessed with this topic over the last week or so. So this is just such a great coincidence to get to ask you about this. I am intrigued by reading articles about women in particular who are taking it up. I read Cup of Joe, that blog, that lifestyle blog, and she just had an article this week about this topic. And the comments in that article are just so lovely to read about these groups of women who come together to bathe in nature, in cold weather in particular. And I just like, how did you get into that? And what is your experience with that? Yeah, well, my mother is from Spain, so I like the heat. <laughs> Even if my father's from Denmark, I hate, really, I hate the cold. So that's why it's so strange for me to put myself into that cold water. And it, it wouldn't have happened, I think, if I didn't have a lot of friends who do it. And they told me time after time, don't you want to come with us, la, 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 all the time. And I was just like, no, and, you know, I always never bathe even in Spain when it's 25 degrees. So, but then one of my friends moved here to Norhound and she is a winter bather. How do you say that in English? Winter bather? Is that it? Yeah. And then, you know, I just started to go with her and put myself down in this water. And the amazing thing is that when you first start doing it, you just don't stop doing it. It's really, yeah. I can't explain why, but it gives you some, uh, first of all, it gives you this notion of, I did it. So when you start mm -hmm. your day by doing that, it's much better than making your bed like that sergeant or whatever. There was a, a military guy who wrote a book about that, make your bed, because then he said that if you do something active every day and something that's nice for yourself, then you are, you know, going and then you can do all the other things but this is much much better <laughs> than doing your bed because you have to overcome something and after you know there's another thing when if we should talk about women there's also something about letting yourself into the mother sea and I know it's gonna sound a bit corny but it's actually before I get into the water I connect with the water I make a lot of meditations and so forth. And I think maybe that's why. And when I do that, then it's much more than just going into some cold water. It's like really connecting with nature. Mm -hmm. And when you live in the middle of the city, there is not a lot of nature to connect with. And doing this in the morning, it's like connecting to the, I don't know, to the whole world, to the universe. It's like becoming part of a greater world that's nice so and after that when you come up it's just really you know your body is so fantastic mm -hmm. and the skin becomes much softer too i don't know why i simply don't know why but it does and the great thing is when it's summer and you can swim then it's really nice and i never did that before because it was much too cold and now it's just like 
really nice. <laughs> so, <laughs> That's amazing. I'm, I'm still, so, yeah. Amelia, I would love to learn more about being a cultural sociologist. Tell us what that means and what you do. Yeah, I think that I became a sociologist because I always felt like an outsider. And I didn't know that. I didn't know that a lot of other sociologists start by feeling outsiders. But it's really logical because sociology is about the community and about people in the community and the community working in people. So when I found out, I was actually pretty old when I started to study sociology when I was 29. So when I found out that that was actually my motivation, then I understood suddenly why this field of science is actually very, very important in the modern society because so many people don't feel connected to some kind of community. A lot of people feel outsiders. And the big thing that I found out too was that having the feeling of an outsider actually doesn't have that much to do with the community. It's more that you feel outside yourself. So it's more like identity problem first, and then it becomes a community problem. Yeah. Tell us more about what you experienced. Was it like just through teens and twenties or like, what does that mean to feel like an outsider? Actually, I think I have felt that all my life. I'm the middle child and I grew up and this has nothing to do with my parents, I have to say, because I don't think they did that. But I had a very clear feeling that, you know, my mother, she loved my brother the most. He was my younger brother. And then my father loved my sister the most, who is my older sister. And I was just, you know, in the middle and didn't have a, a fixed well, a secure place to be in the family. And I know it's not like that. We have been talking about that a lot of times. I have went, gone into therapy and everything, but it doesn't matter because it was my feeling. And having this feeling also gave me actually some kind of freedom because I didn't have anything to live up to. Because when you have the feeling that nobody expects something certain from you, then you are actually free to create your own identity. And later when I, when I started to socialize for real in my teens and later when I was in the 20s, I still had this feeling that I was always the one who was hanging on the rim of the community. And then I started to talk with my friends about that and they were just like, but what the hell are you saying? You are so not in the realm of anything. You're always in the center of things. So, so that's when it became very obvious to me that having this feeling of being an outsider was actually because I didn't know how to be inside myself. And so talk to us more about like your discovery that so many people, they don't feel part of a community. I think that, well, actually, every time I give a, a talk, I ask people, so tell me, how many of you have felt like an outsider at some point in your life or still do? And I can tell you that 99.5% raised their hand. And I'm just the next logical question is, of course, okay, so who are the insiders <laughs> if everybody is an outsider? <laughs> <That's right. laughs> so again, it's because at least when I see it as a cultural sociologist, I can see that a lot of people, they have they have so many communities that they can choose to be part of that a lot of people, they don't know where they actually belong. And what happens is that we have 
we are leaving what is called the bound communities where we are born into them and there is a very clear hierarchy there's a very clear position all the families or the kind of relations are given and so forth and that makes you feel much more secure into the community but it's also restraining because a lot of people we have seen that a thousand times in history they don't feel like part of that community they don't feel that they can live out their identity especially when it comes to all the sexual orientation and so forth more before much less now but still all women having a lot of talents that they couldn't live out because they were in a marriage and in motherhood and so forth so we lose some stability some feeling of security but what we haven't said is that we can actually live out our own talents our own dreams much more but that is also a way of feeling more alone actually because there is another thing in the modern society is that we are expected to be a success because we are expected to be free to choose the life that we want and sometimes we don't know what we want or maybe we don't feel or have this understanding of ourselves as if we have a lot of talents so if you don't do anything big or fantastic with your life then you're a failure and then you not only feel alone you also feel like a failure and and that's why we have all these terrible statistics about stress and anxiety and depression and loneliness and so forth can you contrast the communities like with the decline of the church for example and like what were the communities that people felt supported and belonging to versus where are they turning to now yeah well before we had smaller communities too and we were more dependent interdependent and especially the church i like that you take that up because in denmark for instance the church is not a very important element in a lot of people's lives here in denmark i grew up as a catholic which is really really special in denmark so i went to the church every sunday and exactly experienced what a lot of people experienced before as a normal thing namely becoming part of a both a people's community but also a believing community and what people did before when they went to church was that they were told that we are together in this that being a human being is also living for instance with suffering that nobody can escape suffering so it's just a matter of when it's going to happen for you but then you also know that everybody is living through that and that is a normal thing for a person to live through and that we are going to come out on the other side and we have the community around us um so that gave us an understanding of ourselves as a human being what is inescapable as a human being to live and the problem with the modern people as i see it today is that a lot of people are not raised with a certain belief in something else than maybe education or money or uh, success or something like that and they are certainly not familiar to the concept of suffering as an inescapable thing or just a human thing so every time that people 
experience some kind of suffering, they think that they just have to either go therapy or just take it away and that it's something that they are responsible for. And also that makes us quite alone and gives us a feeling of loneliness. But all this sounds a bit, you know, grim. So I just wanted to say that the really beautiful thing about the modern communities is that you can actually seek out the communities that mirror the person that you both are or interested in becoming. And that I find so beautiful because, gosh, there are so many people who before had to live their whole life as another person that they were because they didn't have anything else. They didn't have any possibility to change it. So they were really, really caged in by expectations from their parents or from the society. So there are good things and bad things <laughs> in both of them. Yeah, you know, Amelia, what you're saying really rings true for me. I think I'm one of those people similar to you that felt sort of always alone. And both of my parents passed away when I was younger. And so I didn't have the sort of familial expectations that a lot of people have. I've lived in a lot of different places. I'm like a modern person, very transient for most of my life. And I'm curious, and I absolutely see both sides of what you're saying. It's, there's tremendous freedom. I think I've had so much creative freedom in my life because I get to make up what I want to do at every stage completely with basically no feeling of anyone else's expectations on me. But it does come with a sense of loneliness with respect, not sort of in my personal everyday life, but in like, where do I fit? What is my culture? And largely for many of us, I think, especially since the pandemic, we're living lives online. And I'm wondering from your perspective, how do you see that translating into community moving forward? Because I think a lot of people have this newfound sense of freedom from living their lives on the internet and not necessarily being so rooted in place. Yeah, the whole pandemic has showed us how important communities are. And as a sociologist, you know, it's just like, yeah, now you experience what we have said all the time, that the most important, the relations and the communities on a really hard background, because there's so many people also really suffering from loneliness, from depressions and so forth. I think that what we are going to see is that people, I think that we will see more people doing more to be a part of a community if they are not already or if they feel lonely because now they have experienced how important it is with good relations. There's a lot of, you know, tons of surveys that show us that good relations are the most important in living a happy and a healthy life. Like the Howard Study of Adult Development, I don't know if you know it, there's a TED talk about it. It's really an amazing study that has been, it started up in 1938. And for 80 years, they have done this study with the same 724 young men who are certainly not young anymore. But it was just to find out, is there one parameter, one element that's uh, important to have a healthy and happy life? And it's good relations. And that's what we experience now because you cannot escape into your work, for instance, and then talk with some of your colleagues and then go home and be alone. But the next day you're on the office again and then you have somebody to talk to. Now you have to, um, we have to experience what would it say to be not only in the minds or, you know, in a professional setting, but also 
the whole sensing of each other and being together and sharing what it is to be a human being. Because all these screens, even though I can see you too, I have never met you before. It's so nice that I can see you much better than if I only had you in my ears. So we, if we were together in the same room, we would have so many more signals and ways to sense each other and create First of all, a kind of understanding of each other, but also trust. And the trust is actually one of the most important elements in order to have a relation. And it's much harder to create trust when you are not in the same room because we forget as human beings that our senses are actually, you know, it's not just 10% of our understanding of our environment. It's much, much more. And that is also something that we navigate after when we are with other people. So there are a lot of things that are challenging us, but also educating us. As a sociologist, it must be fascinating to watch the entire world, like the every single person on the planet, go through this pandemic. What do you think when it all kind of lifts, if that's even, you know, once we're able to get out in person, what are the ramifications? Like I worry about like being able to actually read the cues of the body or have a conversation or, you know, cause it's so different on zoom as we all know about just, you know, conversing with multiple people at once. What do you think is going to change for humanity once the pandemic ends? I think that one of the really good things that's going to happen is that we are going to have much more of this that we are doing here, that we can connect to the whole world without having to move physically. So it's going to be good for the environment. It's going to be good for the connections. I have never given so many talks and having so many conversations with people abroad as I have here in this pandemic. And it's fantastic because it's so easy. And now before it was really a special thing when you did it and everybody was a bit, uh, uh, okay, let's do it, but it's not good. Now it's just, you know, second nature for us as it was before to meet up. So that's a really good thing because that can create much more understanding across borders, across, you know, everything. But the other thing I think also is that we understand how important it is actually to be together too. So that's the other thing. And I think that we're going to see the second half of 21 or the first half of 22, we are going to party so hard (laughs) because so many people are really, they are longing to have a party together and just to be together in a lot of different physical settings. I think it's really made us realize what it means to be human and what it's like, what's important, you know, like, God, I just want to go out with my friends or I just want to hug random strangers at this point in my life. That's what I think about, you know, like we've really realized (laughs) what is important to being human. Yeah, I think you're so right. We understand that we are first and foremost humans and that is uh, bodies, but also relations. That's why in, on my, my site, it says that without the others, we are nobody because we are really nobody if we don't have other people. It's really simple. But the problem is that so many people are lonely because they're not forced into these communities as we talked in the start of this conversation. We can actually, if we want to more or less live our lives alone, if we want to. 
we are not forced to be part of a community when we have left our family, then we don't have to. And it's not good. <laughs> what do you think, Amelia, of the trend towards digital nomadism? So this idea that people are really uprooting their physical communities in, in the wake of COVID because now they can work remotely. And I mean, we were seeing this trend happen already before the pandemic. And how do you think that's going to play out? Is that kind of the new reality where people kind of come together in pods for, you know, discrete amounts of time and then they go back out into the world? Or do you think that we'll double down and really invest in a sense of home and a sense of place again? I think actually that we will, more than we will choose one or the other more, then we're going to combine it more and more. I think that we're going, at least when I see in the young generations, which I have studied, I don't know, for 25 years or something, it's really inspiring how they what they focus on is a life career. It's not just a career. So they want a life career. And that means that they go much more in and out of the work career. And sometimes they combine it. They can work abroad or wherever they are, making their jobs through the different screens, through the internet. But when you talk to the young generation, they need more than ever also to have stability, security because they have been brought up in a world where there's almost too much freedom and too much yeah so we can see both of it so I think it's much more about a choice and what we can do as parents or what you can do if you're young is to really know yourself to understand what is important for you because if you don't know that you cannot make the choices that are good for you. And then you make the choices that are smart or posh or whatever. And then maybe you become a digital nomad. In fact, what you really long for is to have a small apartment in some small city where you know everybody and you have a job that's not really demanding because you like to write poems or something, you know. So it's really, what is it called? Uh, seducing to think that you should always be free, that you can work all over the world, that nobody has any, they don't own you in any way. But a lot of people actually really need to be owned. They have to choose who owns them, but we need to be owned. Like we need to have that feeling because it gives us a sense of belonging that is crucial for us as human beings. Just as we wrap up here, one last question. What, with the remainder of 2021, what will you be focusing on beyond winter bathing? Is there <laughs> other, other things that you are working on to, you know, be the insider in a community? Well, actually, I have, uh, when I started to go to the therapy, when I was around uh, 29, that started a very long journey into who the person that I am today. And, and today I make a lot of communities instead and at the same time, I also know that I like to be really independent. And those two things, or being in a marriage too, I'm divorced now and I'm also more or less single, but it's I know that I love to be married. I love to be very, very connected to the people that I love. And at the same time, I love to be independent too. And maybe one of the things that we should understand is that those two things are not contradictive. 
they are certainly not contradictive. On the contrary, actually, it can widen your world because being very close to people that you have selected because they match you in values or in anything else that is important for you. And at the same time, being independent is that you actually set yourself and the other people free to do what is important for them. And then you have much more to contribute to the other's lives too. So it's much more energetic and also like choosing each other is much better than having to stay together because that is normally not very good for anybody. So, but I have a small thing also that on Monday, I'm going again to record because uh, I cannot travel yet. A small TEDx talk for uh, St. Andrews in Scotland about unruly women having more fun. And I love to talk about that too, because we really need more unruly women. We also need more unruly men, but we certainly need more unruly women that that they are, <laughs> right. <laughs> they are not ruled by norms and values of, of the history and culture, but more ruled by their own desire, their own heart's desire. I also make a podcast about that and so forth. So, so that's one of my focus things this year. I love it. I love the title of that. We could do a whole <laughs> topic on just that. Yeah, I can't wait oh, to watch that TED Talk. Please <laughs> share it with us when it's in a position to be shared. Thank you. Yeah, I will do that. And I would love to take a talk about that too with you yeah. if you wanted to. Yeah, for sure. Mm -hmm. Well, Amelia, before we wrap up, we'd love to ask you to share a joy and a hustle with our community. So something in your life that's bringing you joy right now and a tool or resource that can help our listeners achieve success in their career or business. See, I wanted to show you this. Oh, uh, cool. I don't know if you can see oh, wow. it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the dragon. It's a dragon. I bought it some years ago. And the reason why I bought it was not only <laughs> because of Game of Thrones, <laughs> but also <laughs> it's because I had a conversation with a very, very clever, wise friend that I have, where we talked about this, that the dragons, they are really free and creative and strong. And, and of course, a myth, I know that. But the normal history and the normal story we hear about the dragons that they have to be killed. And normally some kind of prince have to kill the dragon in order to collect the princess in the tower. And we were talking about that. And then she said, but what we need to understand that instead of killing the dragon, you have to tame it. And then you take a fly with the dragon because then you can really release all the creative power that you have within you. And that's why I bought this one, because it has to remind me every time that every time I, I meet some kind of problem, something that makes me scared or um, that makes me sad or that something that's not as I want it to be, then I think about it as a dragon that I have to tame and that can take me on a flight that is going to be uh, That's amazing. full on Daenerys <laughs> Targaryen right there. <laughs> totally. <laughs> I know that, but like the inner it's, um, Daenerys. Yeah, I think so. I just didn't like the ending though. It's <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, yeah. But the, yeah. Okay. I forgot about the ending. The just like, yeah. The first part of it. Yeah. yeah that yeah, I, she was my yeah. favorite character by far in that whole series. So I totally get that. I love it. That's so good. Thank so, you for sharing that. <laughs> and also because she talked about breaking the wheel you know, that's the unruliness. Don't get into mm. the system if it's holding you back. 
but she didn't break the wheel. And that's the problem. <laughs> we mm -hmm. have to do that. Yeah. So. Yeah. Okay. And your hustle? Well, one thing that I do a lot is actually to watch a lot of TV series because they tell stories about people. Mm -hmm. And as a cultural sociologist, that is what interests me is that how do we live and how do we live together? So I watch a lot of stories in order to understand all kinds of ways of living better. And then it's fun too. So it's a nice yeah. job to have. <laughs> what are you watching right now? Well, actually, I'm right in the middle of a Norwegian TV series about four guys who uh, are within investment and so forth. And they are the biggest shitholes you can find. Sorry, <laughs> but they are. But it's, <laughs> but it's interesting because it's also framing some of this, all this success uh, life thing that people have to have in order to feel that they are success. And of course, they are totally hollow inside themselves. So what's it called? It's called Exit. And it's not certainly not one of my favorite series. I have a lot of other really good series that I could share with you, but um, we can do that another time next time. <laughs> Sounds awesome. Thank you so much, Emilia. And if people want to follow you, learn more, where would they go? EmiliaVanHauen.com or .dk. And then I'm on LinkedIn and Instagram too. So All the places. All the places. <laughs> All the normal places. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank, thank you, you so much. much. And thank you.